0: This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans, for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club.
1: Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street, the second episode in the series of special edition fan podcasts. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, video editor at the Liverpool Echo and a season ticket holder for 20 years. With me today, I'm making his first appearance on the show, as long-suffering Evertonian and Lower Gladys Street season ticket holder, Rob Astle. Making up the rest of the long-suffering blues quartet is Tom Clark and Connor O'Neill, two Everton fans who joined me on the very first episode. Guys, welcome. Since the last time we sat down, a few things have happened. Not a lot's happened, just, just, just a few. We've had a fixture list, we've had a World Cup started, VAR's taken over everyone's life, and one or two players have left Gudderson Park. But the one thing that hasn't happened is players coming into Gudderson Park. The transfer window shuts on August the ninth at five pm, and as of yet, Everton haven't signed a single player. Connor, I'm going to start with you. Are you worried by the lack of income and transfers at Goodison?
0: Uh, not yet. No, I don't think. Um, I don't think. I didn't expect anything to really happen quick this this time round. I think last season we 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 kind went too early and bought too many, too soon. You, you could say. So I'm not too surprised that we have, we've been a little bit inactive. I think Marcel Brand is obviously just getting his, his feet under the tables. It looks as though he's going to be in, in control of transfers. Um, Silva's not around being appointed himself. So I would imagine that they're still working on areas in which they, they, they're sort of defining as massive improvement needed to, you know, we can survive for now. So and I'm not too too surprised that there's not been too much transfer activity. I think if it was, you know, three or four weeks on from now, and we, we hadn't signed anyone and it didn't look, there wasn't any promising leads, then I'd be a little bit concerned. But as of now, I'm not too surprised that we have been pretty inactive.
1: Rob, as of yet, Everton haven't signed anyone in the transfer window. Is it, is it a concern for you? I mean, the World Cup's still still on, still plenty of time. But do we need players in soon as rather than later?
2: Uh, no, not really. Um, it's always nice to get your players in early doors like some clubs do. I mean, we were really active last year in getting uh, the likes of Pickford and Keenan and whatnot. But given our situation with the new manager and the new director of football, they're still finding their feet. Um, and with the World Cup going on, I don't think it's something to be concerned with just yet. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is trimming the squad down, and Marcel Brands has said that himself. Um, and that's priority before we start signing players. Uh, but I think once the squad's back within the next week or so I think it is I think we'll start to see a bit of action then
1: Tom, do you think Rob's right there, like the biggest concern is to, to cut the squad down do we not Do we not need to see players coming in?
3: Yeah I completely agree, I think the worst thing we could do is put too much pressure on the manager and the director of football by getting on his back already about transfers and I do think that Primary concern was to cut down the wage bill and make it more efficient as a business, and I think the imminent transfer of Wayne Rooney will do a big play a big part in that, and a couple of other outgoings like Romero, Funes Mori, and maybe some more. But I do think that was the main concern, and I'm not I'm not too not too bothered at the moment. I know the the window has being shortened a little bit, so we do have to make it make it speedy. But um, the World Cup's still going on, and the players that we want are top international players, so a lot of them are out on international duty on a unable able to contact him at the moment, so I'm not too bothered. I think uh, we've got to be patient and uh, I trust Marcel Brands. He seems like a seems like a guy who knows what he's doing.
1: Okay, Connor w- one thing that struck me um, a few weeks back was when Marcel Brands, you know, he made he made clear that the, the squad did need to be uh, cut, and obviously we've got a bloated squad of I think it was 38 players. Um, but another another thing that he mentioned as well, which Obviously, from a business side of things, like, you can understand what he's saying, but he wanted to reduce costs as well, specifically the, the wage bill. Is that, um, is that a call for concern? What what kind of message are we sending out to to quality players that we're we're not going to be paying or pay, paying high wages, and in, in terms of the quality players that we, we want to bring in?
0: Um, yeah, I think you, you can look at that two ways, can't you? I mean, you can look at it in, in a sense of. Does that mean that we're tightening our, our belts and we're going to sort of, you know, almost go back to like the David Moyes era of, of trying to find, you know, good niche bargains around round Europe, you know, not household names, but players who, who perhaps you can come in and develop and and, and improve. But I th- I think that the big concern is is that we don't want to get stuck into a a routine we've got over the last sort of two to maybe three seasons where we spend seems to be an awful lot of money on players coming in and we give them big contracts too soon know uh, uh, there's there's a lot of players who were in and 100 grand plus now which really if you go back five years you'd never is never have imagined so I, I i see the concern because i don't think it's you should just be giving players what bow down to their needs and, and whatnot but i think it's i think it's a it's a good soundbite isn't it and it gets kind of it gets people sort of intrigued as to see what what's going to happen more than you know the proof of being the pudding once we start signing plays well not it's as simple as that you know, th- that's when you'll know whether we're tightening our belts or whether it was just a, a tongue-in-cheek comment that was aimed at maybe one or two individuals who are at the club who, who probably earn more than what they, they warrants. Rob do you
1: think it was just brands playing a cool in terms of you know bringing down the wage bill or is this like something that Machete's possibly said to the, the hierarchy of the club in charge of the wage bill and transfers?
2: Personally I think it's best practice um, financially Otherwise, you start getting these players in. They were on, like, like Connor said, they're hundred plus grand a week, and we're not reaching the level that we should be performing at when we are when we are spending this money. You know, we didn't get Europe last year, uh, uh, last season. We were way, way, way uh, too far away to even consider Champions League football, and we've got one of the highest wage bills in the league now. And you don't want to end up getting hit with an FFP fan, which I think probably was in the back of like uh, Machidi. And the rest of the board's mind because i think you've got to be able to cover your costs and we're not doing that mm.
0: i think as well it almost becomes the norm doesn't it then if you get into the routine of handing out know, every new player you sign 100 plus grand a week and anyone who you go near is going to get wind of it you know, it's, it's a small world isn't it football i mean you know it's 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 a populated place but it's a small world and agents obviously talk about the, the clients and you know if, if certain agents know that well X and Y got 110 and 120 when they signed last year so we're going in for the same amount mm. all of a sudden every player you sign then is, is going to be looking to get 110 grand plus a week which financially is just not sustainable for everything you know they, they don't turn over enough money yeah. as a business to, 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 to sustain that and, you know I think that that needs nipping in the bud sooner rather than later Are we going to be
1: able to attract these type of like quality
0: type of players though by
1: by reducing the wage bill and saying you know our wage bills cap to it to a certain
0: extent. Well, I think in some respects, you know, it, it when you you need to, it's almost defining what 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 a, a, a high class player is, isn't it? Because for me, you know, you're never going to be able to uh, attract the elite of football until you're in the Champions League, because you know that that's the that is the standout competition. You know, that's the, the one that they all want to play, and that's the one that you know you can lay players to and from. You know, it's not like international football where if you're born in that country, you are stuck there. It's you know you, you can lay players and. I think in terms of high quality players, I think we need Champions League football, or to be looking to get on the fringes of Champions League football to, to really attract them type of players and, and to get them because you know we, we've seen with Spurs, you know they were on the fringes and attracted one or two good names and then they pushed them over the line, you know we're not even I don't think near the lines pushed over, we're you know still a good way off. So I think in order to attract high quality players, we need to be on the, the fringes of Champions League and once you get one or two and you get over the line and the rest kind of follow I'll, I'll,
1: I'll come to Tom in a moment
0: but just just going to counter that with the fact that obviously
1: probably a different time in football but when we did qualify for the Champions League under Moyes and okay we didn't get into the Champions League group stage proper um, we ended up getting knock on, uh, knocked out in the qualifying stages but we did struggle to to attract a top quality type of player to the club and we weren't willing to pay t- 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 to pay the wages so on um, on two fronts, really. Well, we were in the Champions League, and if we would have been able to attract that type of player, um, so in, in terms of in terms of that, way is, is, is money just not the? I'm not saying throw throw money at it, but you know, cutting the wage bill, it, it's just for me. I feel like it sends out the,
0: the wrong message. I don't know what you I don't know what you think. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it is in the sense that if you're cutting the wage bill, you know, you you've got to look at them. be brutally honest. If you cut the wage bill, then when we do come sixth, seventh, eighth. You can't really complain if, if that's what you want. I think that the issue, the issue with the minute is, is that there's a lot of players, in what I mean. I think there's there a stat that five of our players at one point, earned more than Harry Kane did. It bears until he signed his new contract. Which you know, when you look at that, it, it's, it's quite staggering, really, isn't yeah. it? You know. So I think, if you cut the no wage bills, to kind of you know tighten the purse string and say, oh, we're going to we're going to accept then or It does set up the wrong message because it's not exactly as though you know we're looking to go for it and and. Have a goal. However, I think if if you're doing it as as kind of a point of face to say we've well, got to come in and earn high money, then I certainly wouldn't disagree.
1: Tom, mm. so just obviously Manchester City won the league last season, and eventually that's where Everton and the fans w- want us to be. But how do you compete with a team that when a player gets injured, um, they just go out and just buy a forty or try to buy a forty million pound replacement in in Mahres? How do you compete with that?
3: it's difficult to but I think the possible way to go about it was younger players who are going to come through and I think that's why it's important to hang on to the likes of Adam Ola Luchman the ones who are bright prospects I think that's the level we've got to be going for because as, as we've said we, we're not able to attract Champions League quality players but we are able to attract players who could be Champions League quality in a few years and I uh, hope hopefully, hopefully we can rely on our scouting network to let us do that and think what players can be that quality in a few years, and that's what we've got to be looking at. And we've got a few of them on our books at the moment, so we've got to be nurturing them, keeping all of them, and making sure they uh, they are on our books, and we can look to the future.
1: Okay, then. Well, as mentioned, that like no, no one as of yet has, has come in to the club, but we've had one or two players leaving. Um, reports this past week that you know Wayne Rooney's on the on the verge of leaving the club, um, but one player who has left the club is is Funes Mori. Uh, transferred to Villarreal for what has been a reported £17 million, but we believe it's to be, uh, although a profit sli- slightly lower uh, than that fee. Tom, what, um, or how will Funes Mori be remembered by Ever- Evertonians and yourself, uh, Roberto Martinez, by roughly in the region of, of £9 million? I'd
3: be made up with £17 million for Funes Mori. I was never a massive fan of him, I thought... He was he, he tried hard, but he was a, always a bit erratic and never a really solid centre back. And I thought, uh, what's the call last season when he was he, he was on his way back and some some Blues were looking at it thinking, oh, can't wait for him to be back. But I think a lot of them were forgetting what he used to be like at times because he could be very unreliable at times. And I think seventeen million would be great. And um, I remember the rumours at the time that um, Roberto Martinez had the choice between buying Funes Mori and um, Virgil van Dijk from Celtic at the time he was going for about. 8 million or something like that and he went for Funes Mori. So uh things what we could have, what we could have had in the, in a way but I think he, he did alright. He, um, he obviously struggled with injury towards the end but when he was there he was he was de- he was there but he wasn't wasn't someone to rely on to be honest. So uh, I'm not 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 a big loss for me.
1: Did Tom just praise a
0: Liverpool player there on the Everton podcast? or Was that, <laughs> was that <laughs> yeah, just me? Yeah. No? <laughs> wow. wow! I think if we're going back in time there, uh, well, What ifs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everton seems to be the, the, cl- the biggest club of what ifs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think
1: we could have gone back in time. I think everyone around this table definitely would have picked Virgil Van Dijk. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Rob, um, Funes Mori, you know, bit of an enigma. Really, just didn't seem to work out. He, you know, the start seemed strong enough. Blighted by injury as well over the past season. Um, How will he be remembered?
2: Always had a mistake in him, I thought Hmm. I had high hopes when he first came to the club Um, We paid decent money for him at the time Like you said, nine million Um, But despite a few encouraging performances uh, I think he he made one of his first games against Liverpool uh, Against um, Goodison And he, um, he had a really, really good game Later games, he was always good in the box, the opposition box. He scored a fair few goals, uh, but again, always had that mistake in him, I thought. Um, and obviously, the injury didn't do him any good. Uh, I think it was well over a year he was out for, wasn't it? Uh, and then he just didn't get back into the team. I think it was only right, really, that he was uh, one of the first out the door. Yeah,
1: Connor, this was a player that was probably you know one of the first names on the, the Argentinian defensive uh, defensive list. Um, there's not much to be said about the argentinian defence uh, at the moment in this world cup Is he've we done him at the service at the moment does do you think he deserved a chance after his a uh, after his
0: injury as lot long term injury and, and now was on his way back uh, I, th- I think the big the big thing is seems to be the money doesn't it when the fees coming for him yeah. i think you could imagine that the, the kind of bit of the real's hand off in terms of you know we've, we we spoke quite a lot about players leaving the club and you know the, the big question with a lot of them is, well, you're never going to recruit what we put into them back. You know, a lot of the players we've got, you, you're never going to get anywhere near what you either pay for them or what you've been giving them in wages by offloading them to another you know, club. And I think the fact that enough coming for fewner's money that we'll probably end up us getting a small profit. We was probably just too good to be true. And I think for me it was it was always what if with with Marty. You know, with people in the early days, kind of said, oh well, you know, when he matures and he gets used to playing in the Premier League. The, the mistakes won't happen as much and he won't look as rash and you know we, it'll be probably a what if you know what what if he, what if he does mature and you know become that, that great defender that people well certainly Roberto Martinez he, he thought that we'd sign but I agree with Rob I, I think he always had a mistake in him I think you know whenever he got the ball and he was in certain areas of Goodison Park he kind of you had your heart in your mouth and you know for, for me kind of is the final moment was when he got sent off around field and just the, the pure stupid stupidity and you know the idiot, you know the idiot sort the idiot style, you know clutching of the badges he walked off and you know that that left a bit of a bitter taste in, in my mouth and I just think I think the fact that they've they've, they've, they've sold them for money and they're going to make a profit just too good to uh, the club's probably just thought it's too good to be true and they bit their hands off for him. I don't think I think it was telling him, wasn't it was that way. Brands come in. He was kind of rumours that, or pretty much all the centre backs were, were were under review. Not just, you know, one or two. Do pretty much all under review, and there was were suggestions that if Evan Ever- could go on sign as many as two or three centre backs this summer. So obviously Silver and, and Brands weren't too keen from the offset anyway. So I'm not surprised to see him going out. I don't really think he would be missed.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with you there. One of the the, the standout um, images of was... Wasn't for me. wasn't wasn't a goal. It wasn't a, a tackle. It was you know the de- sending off at Anfield when he uh, when he went crunching in and then he walks off. You know, patting his chest or the badge, thinking it was a you know a good thing to do. And you know it was just obviously idiocy really. But um, yeah. Anyway, m- moving on. well, will um, moving on to another player on the verge of uh, of potentially leaving the club. Wayne Rooney. We discussed him in the last last podcast. And um, you guys had your thoughts. Um, it's looking now that he he will leave the club, but you know, Rob, will his return to the club, his boyo club, be seen as a failure?
2: I think it's unfair to call it, call him a failure. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he was our top scorer, wasn't he? Um, I think Rooney's problem was was that he was well past the well past his prime. You know, United only let him go for you know let him obviously let him go for nothing. Um, but I just felt in games where the bigger games against let's say the top six he couldn't play in them he was more suited to playing against your lower league teams and you uh, in that central role and he wasn't really given that much and if you want to move forward it's probably not the answer and given he's probably I think he is our top earner you know you're going to want more from the guy who's on the mega books aren't you and I think I, I, I think it's probably the right time for him to go to be honest with you given the new era that's about to uh, Happen under Silver and Brands.
1: Tom, is Rooney being pushed out here? Obviously, there's been you know reports that he does want to stay at the club. But, you know, it's got it's got one year left on his deal. Um, is it not? Is it not worth just keeping him keeping him at the the club? Or, you know, experience. He he scored double figures last season. Okay, some of them were penalties. But for me, does it not feel like he's being pushed out?
3: Yeah, we've we've got to treat him with respect because he he is one of the greatest players we've had in my opinion. But um, I think if we are going to prioritise cutting down the wage bill, he was the obvious one. As Rob said, he, he was on mega bucks, and we needed to. He's the one we needed to cut down, really, because he wasn't playing enough of a part in the squad just to justify that wage. So I think he was the obvious one to go to massively cut down the wage bill and kick, kick us on in that in that um, area. But I do think um, it's sad to see him go uh, in, in a way, but it wasn't mainly a commercial, if not sentimental, move. But I think he's given us some moments this season. But um, Look forward to seeing him back in blue in the future because I think he will come back as a coach. But wish him luck in the next chapter of his life. But f- for us, I think it's a good move at the moment.
1: Connors are yeah. not seen it as a as a waste of time to bring Rooney back if you're not going to fulfil the, the two year contract that was on offer in the first place. You know, we always knew he was never ever going to be the same type of player that he was for United. You know, I don't think there was too much expectation to be fair from many Everton fans. It was just kind of what will be will be. Like, does he not deserve that chance to to stay?
0: Uh, I, I actually seen something yesterday on Twitter. I think Phil Elk was working for BN Sports in over in the Far East. for the, And he'd been asked quizzed on Rooney and he was clipping it. He, he kind of said he said that, you know, I think Ring wants to get back playing his, his natural prepared position and stuff like that. So reading, maybe reading wrong into it, but reading into it, it seems to me as though he maybe had talks with Silver but where his future lies in terms of playing. And, you know, maybe he wasn't told what, well, he wanted to necessarily here, and he, he thought, well, you know, if I'm not going to play a, a specific role, then you know, I, I'm, I'm best off best off out of here. Uh, I see what you mean about the waste of time, but times have changed. I'm decent last year. I mean, the, the, the thing now is, it's a new manager, it's a new director of football, it's a total new vision, and you know, blueprints of what we want to do and where we want to go. So, I think maybe we have just been a victim of of the change. You know, the, the change that's happened very fast and. He's, he's been the victim I'm not really surprised to see, to see him go in fairness I think his wages kind of you know often left a lot of people questioning you know why he's why he come back saying oh well you know no surprise to see him come back he's on X amount a week and what have you so I think the wages are always going to be a, a, a big thing because you know we, even though we got a, a slightly past it when Rooney was still our, our highest earner which I think people kind of didn't take too kindly to so I'm not surprised to see him go but I think there were still moments last year where you saw his class and you saw his as as you know it, I mean you no know, certainly for me one of my moments of last season was was, was his his hat-trick goal against Ham, where you know I, I don't think I've anyone's se- ever seen anyone strike a football so cleanly you know, it was it was it was just magic you know and at and Mayson's the floodlights and that's what happened at the Gladys Street then was just you know that was what the hope was was he then when was we gonna come on a, a more weekly basis, not once every blue moon. So no, I'm not surprised to see him go. I think the the two year contracting was always a bit of a token gesture anyway, I think. I think that was more to say that, you know, we are serious and this is something that is the long term from our point of view last year. I think if we just give him a year contract then people would have maybe smelt a bit of a rat and thought, well, they're only getting him in here for a year to, to get the, the commercialisation up, sell some shirts, recoup so much needed money from what they've spent out on pla- on players already. Don't forget I think he was about the, the sixth player we got in last year so he's already been a massive outlay anyway and I think maybe people would have thought oh well, he's just coming in to be like the commercial you know image of the club so that was why the two year I think coming but I think he's just been a, he's a victim of the change the, the the silver and the brand's changing I think next year if silver sticks to his, his roots root to what we've seen at Watford I think a lot of our, our play will be based on pace and getting forwards and, and counter-attacking quickly and there's no way we Rooney really can be can be a part of that team now. His legs like simply can be able to withhold the withhold the, the pressure.
1: So then to two players who or, or one who's left the club and one who's on the on the verge of leaving the club, to three other players really whose um whose futures are slightly uncertain, in Kevin Morales, Umar Nias and Adamola Luckman. Um I say Adamola Luckman just because obviously he's been loan he's been loaned out. Um at the back end of last season and there's always rumors flying around and you never know when a player is happy or unhappy but obviously brands has come come to the club and said that um you know he he is in his plans but in terms of those three players rob i'll, I'll go to you um kevin morales went to olympiacos uh last season he's, he's been back at the club he's set to hold talks over his future does kevin morales have any future at the club whatsoever
2: no not one, <laughs> not one iota of a future. Um, his attitude has stunk now for the best part of, I think, three years. I think ever since he missed that penalty against um, West Brom when he took the ball off Leighton Baines, I think it's just been comp- a complete. I think he should have left uh, long before, uh, just after that, really. Um, three managers: Martinez, Allardyce and Cumin. Of all, obviously, not seen anything in him with. Uh, Worth keeping, um, so I just yeah, no future for him for me. Um, he's, I think, is he expected to stay at Olympiacos? Is you know, is there a fee arranged? I don't know, but I bite the hand off for anything.
1: The last last thing uh, that was reported that he was set to hold talks with the club. Oh, right. um I don't know whether that's happened, but that was the beginning of June. Um, Tom, you know, Morales. He's he's clearly got some talent. Um, never really being fulfilled at Everton is it, would his career go down as a or Everton career at least go down as a, a disappointment
3: the way for me when describing Morales all the time is inconsistency he was never really he never really hit the heights that he could do sometimes and we saw even within a match like it, w- it wouldn't be one good match one bad match it would be within a match he would be inconsistent and it, you can't rely upon that um, he was strong in certain areas but not strong enough, and I, I do think I agree. sure should have gone a while ago. But uh, I don't even know if Arcos will want them because they obviously had a difficult end to last season, and I think they sent most of their first players packing to, to on holiday before the end of the season because the owner was wasn't happy with uh, what what he, what he saw. So Morales doesn't have a future for me. It's be it's time for him to go. He's been he's been here long enough, and um, I think it's time to go for him. Yeah.
1: Connor, kind of one player in, in Morales who seemingly had a, a bad attitude to a, another player in Umani Asu, you know, seemingly had a, a really really good attitude. Um, has he got a future of the club under Marco Silva? Obviously, Silva's um, managed them in the past. Uh, um, Hull City um, seem to get quite a quite a bit out of him. Is Umar, well? First of all, is he is it is he whatever whatever he needs? And do you think he'll have a, a part to play next season? Uh,
0: I think in terms of whatever it needs, then i will probably say no but I think a lot around the ass depends on our recruitment in terms of who we bring in I think it, it's very easy to get rid of people like Nias I mean you know I think for all the, the jokes going around about Nias last season he ended up on six or seven goals which it's not it's not a bad return for a, a bit part forwards. I mean you know you, you're looking at it now we've got Zenk Tosin Dominic Calvert-Lewin and then Umar Nias you know you, my opinion is, is that he always needs at least three forwards. So unless we look at bringing in another forward in, then I think the has got a future because I don't think you can afford to, to to lose to lose a, a, a forward. Um, especially when you could get your know, goal now and then. You know He's not he's not great, he's not the answer, he's not what we need if you're going to kick on. But I think in terms of being in and around the squad, he, he, he's, he's exactly what we need in terms of right now, this minute. Um, I'd like to hope that the recruitment side of things and... You know, I know we signed saying Tossin back in January but I think that he's having other forwards on the radar in addition to Tosson going into next season so I think if that happens I think that's you having a future at the club because I think they'd happily stick with Tossen, Calvert-Lewin and then whoever the, the new face could be.
1: Rob, then the f- third and final player on that list uh, Adam Ola-Luckman probably the one who you'd say has got a really good future at the club if things go, go his way. Um, just just want to um, touch upon last season and, and you know the fact that Sam Allardyce um, sent him out on loan at the time there was a bit of a bit of an uproar because obviously we we were looking for we were crying out for that type of winger that type of player pace, power um, but now that you look back at it and the opportunity that he's been given in Germany is th- was that a, a good decision or could we really have done with Adam, o- Adam Ola Luchman at the back end of last season to push us on possibly for a, a Europa League place?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think the lad had, you know, qualities, you know, you look at games where he came on and changed, you know, against Liverpool when he came on, in the second half he changed it round for us where, uh, you know, I think he set up, um, or helped create Sigurdsson's equaliser. Um, there was other games where he came on and he's always looked lively, he's always looked capable of something, always looked like he can create danger for the opposition. Um, I was disappointed to see him go out on loan. I thought he'd, um, I thought he'd have a part to play, but obviously Uh, I would like thought otherwise um, and allow him to go I think he's done alright in Germany Um, there was talk I think in some of the papers where um, the guys at Leipzig wanted to keep him potentially Uh, I'd be against that I think Brands is against that Brands has already kind of suggested hasn't he that he is in in the plans um, for next year Uh, so yeah I think it'd be good to see him stay and uh, he's got a bright future especially if he does stay with us
1: Tom, was the, was the loan, looking back at it now, the, the ideal scenario for for Luckman? He's, he's gone to Germany, uh, you know, a uh, different country. He's kind of hit the ground running over there maybe as well in some of the games that we, we didn't see. He's maybe made a few mistakes that he's got out of his system. Looking back now in retrospect, do you think, obviously only time's going to tell in the new season whether he, he obviously plays and kicks on, but do you think it, it was the right decision? And at the end of the day, it was a, you know, a Sam Allardyce decision. To, to let him go
3: it was a shame to let him go in my opinion I thought Allardyce was a bit rash in terms of he wants to get rid of players but he didn't think about that one too much he just wanted to get him off, get players away so he just he just let that one go but I don't think he puts enough thought into the decision and I think it's a shame in terms of Luckman's future now because I think there's reports of him being unsettled now and he wants to kick on with his future and go elsewhere maybe um, take a step up which is a shame because um, he he wanted to go to Leipzig instead of Derby County, which uh, Sam Allardyce was quite open about. So he wanted to kick on with his future. But if we are gonna if we are gonna kick on ourselves, we've got to be keeping those future stars type players. And he is one of them. And I think it's a shame that we let him out on loan in the first place because that's changed his mentality. He obviously wants to be in the European scene now. He's competing last year in Europe quite quite well at times. And I think it was a shame that we let him go because it's it's changed everything for the future. And hopefully he will stay. And um, Silver will convince him that he'll be in his plans, but it's it's going it could go either way now.
1: Connor it is an interesting debate in terms of obviously he's got talent he's uh, he's he's fresh, he's raw, he's uh, he's young. Um, in your opinion, is he ready for first team football with Everton going into the new
0: season? Yeah, absolutely. I think he is. I think it was one of the biggest travesties last season. The fact that he was, he was allowed to leave the club on loan in January, I couldn't quite believe it to be honest. With you. I remember I was actually a Goodison I think we played Leicester City. Um, big game and the notification come through about like twenty past seven, and I was actually in the ground. And I just remember like the me and the guys next to me just couldn't believe it, Like, obviously he come on in that derby as Rob said and the massive impact and he, he got the ball, he drove forward and he thought, you know, he's got everything that you we know, need for the team that's that's like, that's so slow and so kind of one paced. You know, this this kid could be the answer, you know? And then obviously all of a sudden he was, you know, shoehorned out to Germany and He's obviously excelled there, put himself a bit in the shop window, if, if we're being honest. Um, but yeah, I think he's ready for first-team football. I, I think I, I'd rather see him walk out on either either flank next season. I think he offers far more than what Balassi does. I think he's more of an out-and-out winger than Sigurdsson, Tom Davis ever were last season. Um, yeah, I play him. I mean, he's raw and you know he'll make mistakes. and He might look a bit vulnerable, but you know he can only learn at the end of the day. And you know. Uh, I think that his pace, just as pace alone, you know, we see we've seen it time and time again. You know, pace frightens people. You know, if you've got the ability to go past someone and, and leave them for dead, you know, we've seen it when Theo Walker first comes to the club, when he was ghosting past players because and everyone was, you know, on the edge of the seat because we hadn't seen it all season. You know, we, we were used to kind of one-dimensional wingers. So yeah, I I, I think he is ready to play first-team football. I, I'd like to see him with Walker as the survivor starting next season. That I really was.
1: Moving on then, and speaking of speaking of next season um, fixtures uh, re- released in the the past couple of weeks. Um, first, there's no easy game in the Premier League for sure, but first five games are considerably easier than the first five games than we had last season. Wolves away, Southampton at home, Bournemouth away, Huddersfield at home, West Ham at home, and then the sixth following on the tough th- the first tough one, Arsenal away on the 22nd of September, Rob. What did you think when you first saw those fixtures? were you
2: have a smile, smile on your face there, or it was always going to be better than last year, wasn't it? <laughs> um, definitely, uh, it's a it's a much. I would like you said there. There's no easy game in the Premier League, but on paper, it's a much easier start than it was last year. Um, looking at them, I think they are all winnable games, but we probably won't win them all. I think we've got to give the new manager time to bed in as. Um, Is new tactics and style, etc., etc. But I probably would be disappointed with anything less than ten points out of them first five games. Um, Especially the home games. Certainly, we hit the winnable. We have got a tough start against Wolves, newly promoted team, spending a fair bit of money. I think that's that's the real test there. But uh, but yeah, definitely ten points out of the first five uh, I'd be happy with that.
1: Yeah, Tom. Wolves away certainly a, a game that you would probably have picked if you, were, if you had the choice but when you, when you sit back and look at it like Rob said uh, there it's, it's not going to be easy they're going to be uh, full of confidence at the end of the day they got promoted uh, from the championship last season um, and they're going to have uh, a buoyant crowd behind them
3: the Wolves were very strong in the championship last year and obviously they've got uh, the super agent Jorge Mendes behind them as well who's going to probably bring in quite a few they've already signed uh, Rui Patricio the Portugal goalkeeper and we've got a few on the books already, Ruben Neves, and probably going to snap up some of the sporting players who are leaving at the moment as well. So they will be a strong team next year. But you've got to look at those first five fi- fixtures and lick your lips and think we could, we could carry some momentum out with them. We could shoot near the top of the table and that could set the manager up perfectly. You don't want to put too much pressure on him, but they're perfect to get to the top and have a little platform to work off. And it, it, It's a great great opportunity, but we've just got to make sure we'll take, we'll take that.
1: Connor, Marco Silva's run renowned for having fast starts with whatever teams you know that he manages. Is, is he also a lucky manager in terms of the first five games that he's, he's got there? Is that, is that what we needed? A bit of luck, Ronald than saying he didn't have any luck at the, at the start of last season with the games that he had.
0: There's certainly a lot less daunting than what what they were this time last summer when we were all sat there looking at, especially the away games last last summer. You, you kind of you know on a we ends getting a spirited one-one draw at Manchester City but he looks at it like the other way after that it was like um, Chelsea Man United <laughs> and you were just kind of looking at thinking well, you when's know, it going to when, end when, when, <laughs> when are we going to put our, even a point away You know, before the season when are we going to end a point away from home um, yeah that's the certainty and I was daunting and I, I agree with Rob I think 10 points You know, I think it, the fixtures enable us to get off to a good steady start and, and put points on the board I think last year you know, one of the reasons why the, the panic came was because we didn't, have no, we didn't have as much points on the board being you how we were we weren't just struggling playing wise we were struggling to get points you know you, you, we've seen it in the past where you can not play well but still pick up points we were doing neither so that that's where the panic sets in and yeah I think you know I think it'll enable us to get should enable us to get off to a good steady start and and you know get, get into the the, the the groove almost of, of things to come
1: Right well we'll uh, we'll finish off then um, just with a bit of a World Cup segment um, Seems as it is the World Cup and uh, as we were just recording here now, Germany have uh, Germany have gone out the World Cup thanks to uh, South South Korea. Um, Rob, answer, tell us this one standout player from the World Cup you'd like Everton to uh, to bid for and be in an Everton shirt at the start of next season.
2: We've actually been linked with him, um, Evan Lozano, the guy who's uh, playing down the wing for Mexico. Hmm. Um, I've watched Mexico games and he's uh, he's. He's been electric down the down the flanks. Um he'd certainly be a better option than Yannick Balassi. Um but whether we can get him or not, is a different matter. Um uh, you know, I heard Barcelona were also interested in him. Mm. Um, you know, we can't compete with them. Um but yeah, uh, definitely that lot and Loftus cheek as well. Um we want yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I'm not sure again whether we could get him on a permanent transfer, or just be alone from Chelsea. But you know, we impressed for Palace last year, and he's impressing for England again. And he'd be he'd look good in our midfield, I think.
3: Mm, Tom, do you agree with any of that, or do you disagree with any of that? Completely agree. Though those were my two as well. Those are my two players. Um, I've been looking at uh, having Lazano I think we were linked with him because he was a PSV with Marcel Brands who bought him there in the first place. So I thought we had a bit of an advantage there. But I was open that I'd be tied up before the World Cup because you knew if he had a strong World Cup all it took was one game one 90 minute game suddenly Barcelona were being thrown around in there and um, Loftus-Cheek's the other one I think Chelsea would be willing to send them out on loan so I think that would be great that would be a, cl- a bit of class to our midfield. I think he'd be great for us but we've got to look at some of the England players as well I think Danny Rose at left back and uh, Marcus Rashford up front is being mentioned as well so um, could be some closer to home but any of those I'd be, I'd be over the moon with
1: obviously realistic
0: players uh,
3: kind of like uh, Tom and Rob just just mentioned there
0: what, what do you think what do you think yourself yeah I, I actually agree with Tom not necessarily based on the World Cup but Marcus Rashford hmm. I think he, he'd be perfect for someone like us I think you know, we need a forward who, who, who's got a bit of pacing and getting behind it looks as though he's grown frustrated at Manchester United with his lack of game time and that he kind of doesn't really get a look in under Mourinho and it, it doesn't look as though it's going to change anytime soon so I, I think you know he's he's a realistic a realistic target. I think you know we saw who we could potentially get even alone maybe for the season. Um, but in terms of the World Cup, I, I I don't really get too too fussed on the World Cup players because you know we've seen it before where players have great World Cups and then get great big money moves and you know fail to deliver it in some respects. I mean you know James Rodriguez, the Colombian, you know international was outstanding in Brazil, the World Cup in Brazil, and, and got a big move to Real Madrid and. You know, flattered to this evening, and now ended up on loan to Bayern Munich, and so it doesn't necessarily just because you have a good World Cup doesn't necessarily mean you know you get it's going to come into to, to the, you know, they're going to become natural natural great. So I, I don't really get too bogged down, but I think if, if I had to pick one player from a, from the World Cup, I'd be looking at Rashford. It's
1: right, okay. Um, just quickly then, before before we finish, um, mentioned it at the start of the podcast, but uh, VAR, good or bad, Rob. Um, are you a fan?
2: I don't like it. Uh, it's it's too it kills games for me. You know, you, you, you decisions. You know, it, they need to be made in like an instant, and to keep the game flowing. And you know, there's been a few incidents within the World Cup so far where it's completely like stopped the game and whatnot. I just don't really like it. I mean, it does get decisions right most of the time. I think it does need tweaking a little bit, but yeah, I'm not a fan.
1: Tommy Tom, you saw VAR at the, um, in the FA Cup last season, which bordered on farcical. It's been at this World Cup, um, maybe slightly a bit more, well, a, a little bit better, but is that a little bit better or any improvements? Is that, is, is that for you? Would you want to see it in the Premier League next season?
3: It's been very common in the World Cup and uh, to be honest, I think it's a shame that we have to rely on the technology because I do think if the referee and the assistant referee could keep up with play, then we wouldn't need it. So, because even even VAR as well, that's consensus itself. Because there can be decisions made by the video analyst referee that are consensus Still, they could watch it again and still get it wrong. So I think if they can keep up with play, it would be much quicker to just just go with whatever, what the referee thinks. So I think it it has been a bit messy. So unless they can properly sort it out, then not for me. Now,
1: Connor, is it is it important to get to get the decision right, or do you think just you know just natural and just let the referee get the decision wrong?
0: I actually, I'm going to disagree with the two of them because I actually quite like it, mate. I, yeah. think it's, I think it's still in its infancy and I think there's still going to be ways in which, you know, how it works and how it's shaped and how it's going to, you know, go forward. But I think you look at, like, today, the Germany game there, you know, unless we used VAR, then, you know, you would never notice that it up, Tony Cruz played the ball to the South Korean lad. Now, say, for instance, that... He would have rightly either disallowed it off the referee and the original point, and then to the end of scoring with to the World Cup. To the next round of the World Cup, then you'd be feeling a huge injustice to Mexico or Sweden whoever was going to be eliminated because technically, you know, South Korea were denied a good goal. So I think I think it's it's served well so far. I think there's been a lot of good a lot of good decisions from it. I think the way it's implemented and the way it's kind of used leaves still leaves a lot to be answered. But I think that now, now football, there's too much money riding on it. It's too, it's too big of a sport. that Simply, they can't afford to get decisions wrong. And I think it's it's naturally going to become a part of the game in years to come because, you know, uh, a, a referee... I mean, I take Tom's point about keeping up with play, but I, I can imagine it's very hard because, you know, if the ball's at one end and it breaks quickly, you know, th- some of the some of the players can run as fast as, as athletes, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it is hard to keep up. And I think, you know, every little every little help towards the effort towards towards giving right decisions.
1: OK, so we'll just finish off quickly, Tom. Um, Jimmy are out of the World Cup, um, which kind of leaves the, the whole competition wide open. Um, your predictions on who's going to win the World Cup, do England have a chance?
3: They do. They do actually have a chance, that's the thing. We always, we always uh, kind of sign them off, but do they actually have a chance this year? Um, for me, it's been Brazil since the start, though. I think Brazil have the quality in the team and, I don't think they're going to slip up like they did last time with with the, the semi-final last time. I think they've got a strong enough side with a strong enough bench this time to just dominate it when when they really get going. Obviously, they're playing tomorrow and they have a chance of going out, but I do think they're the strongest side. And if it does go on that, then it, it's going to be them. Rob, w- will it be nice to have a, a World
1: Cup winner in the Everton squad in Jordan Pickford, or can you not see
2: Uh Definitely, and I do think they've got a chance. I think, you know, Germany have gone out today. Um, I'm sure they'll be... Uh, some other um, casualties further along the way as well I think it's a young squad Southgate's got them playing it's the most likeable England team in a long time um, yeah, we've definitely got a chance
1: Connor, Germany are out France and Argentina play each other in the second rounds with a number of other big teams struggling who's going to win
0: it uh, well I agree with Tom my pick before the tournament was Brazil uh, but I actually think England have got a very good, good chance this Slam round I've been, I'd be actually impressed with England all the way through I think they, they've actually, you know, I know people like the weekend said, oh, you know, it was Panama and you know, they, they should be beating them 6 or whatever, yeah. but you look at some of the other big nations like Spain, you know, Portugal, they've struggled to get past teams like Iran, you know, teams you, you, was, a, you was a thought that they, you know, the cricket score them. it'll be 5 or 6, so the fact Englands are scoring goals and, and, and are playing well and, and I actually think that the best thing about oh, this England team is, is that, you know, probably far from Harry Kane there's no real big superstars, there's no real sort of like or, you know household names. You know everyone just seems to be like the working out as a group together. No, no egos. There's no egos, and you know they're all in it for the same thing. And you know I think for as long as they keep Harry Kane fit, they have got a great chance. I mean, you know he's a natural finisher. He scores goals. You know he comes alive in the 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 box. And you know I think they've got a good chance as any any of the nations there left left in it.
1: Okay, guys. Well, I think we'll leave it there for this episode. the The World Cup is uh, certainly wetting the wetting the appetite for the uh, the Premier League kick off in August. But I think we'd all like some fresh blood in over the the coming weeks and certainly months to, to give us another boost. Thanks very much for listening to this special edition fan podcast show. We'll be back featuring more views and opinions from fellow Blues on the View from the Gladys Street podcast in the near future. Until then, goodbye.
0: You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.